0: morning we're going to be reading together Matthew 20 verses 25 through 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Um, I wanted to share something this morning. I I asked if I could read this morning's scripture um, to mark a a very significant day for me. Um, There was a good friend of mine, grew up in Los Angeles named Dante. He was a gang member. He was a pretty notorious gang member and uh, he went to jail for three and a half years for crimes that he committed and pled guilty to. Uh, But while he was incarcerated, he found Christ. He was baptized and he wanted to get out of that life and change and go forward as a new creation in Christ. And when he got out of jail, we did what we always did. We had a party. And that whole day he was telling all of his knucklehead friends, myself included, about how good God is. And we were so lost, we kind of laughed it off and made jokes because we were all scared. That night at 1147 PM, Dante was shot and killed in a drive-by shooting. Whether he knew it or not, he planted a seed that day that wouldn't take root for a few years when we relocated to Illinois. Lisa and I found Christ with the help of a marriage counselor because I was a mess. When that happened he started the transformation work that continues and will continue the rest of my life he blessed us with a ministry called ink 180. this month we celebrate 10 years of ministry through ink 180 together through that ministry we are incredibly blessed to say we have been able to sit with and hear the stories from and help remove tattoos and cover tattoos from 7,900 plus people in the last 10 years. I wanted to share this today, not because of that, but to talk about the importance of putting a seed in place because you never know what's gonna come from it, no matter who you are. Today would have been Dante's 50th birthday. So I did this today to salute my friend. Let's go out there and be like Dante. Love you guys, God bless. Happy birthday, brother.
1: Chris, thank you for sharing that story in the life and legacy of Dante. Can we pray together? God, we're grateful to be able to gather in this space. And thank you for the lives of those who've gone before us that took that brave step of sharing their faith with us. We would not be here today without the parents without the youth leaders, without the friends, without the mentors who shared the gospel with us. And so thank you for their faith. Thank you for Dante. Thank you for the ministry of Ink Thank you for the Holy Spirit in each and one of our hearts that gives us the courage to live and share the hope that you've given us. We love you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 Well, hello, Hope Collective. It's so good to be with you. Hello. <laughs> Uh, my name is Alex. I am one of the pastors of the Hope Collective. I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet uh, So whether you're joining us on campus or online, we take these opportunities gather to glorify God For everything that he has done in the past week everything that he's done in us in that time and All of the things that he's inviting us to be a part of when we leave these doors because God is at work And he's invited us to be a part of what he's doing If you're just jumping in with us, we are coming to the tail end of a series called That Church, where we are talking about the kind of church that we believe God is shaping us into, the type of people he has made us, and the life that he is inviting us to live together with him. And so we're talking about these values, these living values that we have that inform what we do and why we do it. And we've spent the past six weeks, six, seven weeks, talking about what does it look like for us to live like. Jesus is our hope. What does it look like for us to live like people are our passion, that worship is our response, that community is our design, that faith is our foundation, and that generosity is our norm. And I wish Dave was here so I could get a gold star for remembering all six of those. (laughs) There's two left. So the next two weeks, uh, we have the privilege today of talking about what does it mean that serving is our privilege? And i got to share a story about this, because any time I am speaking, I'm always looking for opportunities not just to talk about something, but to live it out. So it's been on my radar this week of what are some ways that I can actually practice this idea of serving that we see in the life of Jesus. And last weekend, we had our annual marriage event with the Hope Co-Marriage Ministry. How many of you were here for that? Okay, that was a good time. It was a good time to be together. And so we got to hear from Blaine. We got to have some time together. I had the privilege of speaking at that event. And now I have the privilege of speaking this morning. And so this past week, I've had these ideas of marriage and serving on my mind and looking for ways that I could serve my wife. So earlier this week, it was probably a Tuesday, Wednesday, very full day, lots going on. And so we get to the end of the day, we have dinner, and we're doing our after-dinner chores and getting ready for the end of the day. And I go into our room, and there's a basket of laundry on the bed. And this is a system that we have. You put the basket of laundry... Those of you that know me are not surprised by this at all. (laughs) Systems save you stress, time, energy, and money. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) So we have a system where you have a basket of clean laundry. It goes on the bed, and you know you have to put it away before you go to bed, because if you don't, it stays there. And so this is a system that we have. You have to put away the laundry. So I walk in... I'm like, this is it. This is my opportunity to serve my wife. I can put this laundry away. And so I start putting away this laundry and I'm like, man, serving is my privilege. I'm like, hang that up. Being like Jesus, I'm gonna put that in the drawer. And gradually it starts to dawn on me that the things that are coming out of the hamper were worn pretty recently. And they look coming out of the hamper a lot like they looked going into the hamper. And so I go in the kitchen and I'm like, honey, talk to me about the laundry on the bed. I've been putting away dirty laundry. And the most embarrassing part of the story isn't the fact that it happened, it's how long it took me to realize that it was happening. I'm like, man, that's a wrinkly shirt, Servants, my privilege, let's hang it up. That smells funny, being like Jesus, let's put that in the drawer. So then I serve my wife by fixing the problem I created, so now I'm kind of at a wash for the week. All that to say, serving isn't easy and we're all still learning. (laughs) So I'm looking for these opportunities to serve, to come into this space not just thinking about serving, but how do we actually live this out? How do we drop this from an idea to something that settles in our hearts, something that we care about, and something that we actually do from that place? And so this morning we get to talk about serving not just as an idea that Jesus talked about, but as a lifestyle that he lived. Not because he had to, but because he chose to. And so this morning, we'll be talking about what does it mean that serving is our privilege? Where do we see it in the life of Jesus, and how does his example challenge our perspective on serving? That's our roadmap for today. What does it mean that serving is our privilege? Where do we see it in the life of Jesus, and how does his example challenge our perspective on serving? When we have this conversation about serving is our privilege, we need to be really careful on the front end to talk about how are we defining these words. And there's a reason for that. When we came up with these values a few years ago, when we were thinking about what is God calling us to become? What does he want us to be? What is he inviting us to embody that we see in the life of Jesus? We came up with this idea of talking about serving as serving is our privilege. But here's the thing. Words change in terms of connotation and tone and definition over time. There were words that we used in America 50 years ago that we don't use anymore or we use in different ways because the meaning of word changes over time. And both of these words, serving and privilege, have taken on very specific cultural connotations that we need to address in order to talk about what does it actually look like to live in the serving that Jesus lived. Culturally, outside of the restaurant industry and church world, serving has a very negative connotation. Serving is what those without power do for the benefit of those with power. And so you have serving and servants and slavery and servitude and all of these words that are really essentially power plays from one group of people against another. And then we come to this word privilege. Which has taken on very negative tone over the past couple of years. And when we talk about this idea of social privilege, the idea is the unfair advantage that is afforded to those of a certain class, income bracket, ethnicity, heritage, what have you. And so when we say these words, serving is our privilege, there's so much cultural noise that comes into our understanding of these concepts, that we have to call it out, we have to address it, and say this is what society would say this means, but we're not defining these terms based on culture or society. We're defining these terms by what Jesus said and what scripture says. So when we talk about serving, is our privilege. When we talk about serving, we're not talking about how one group of people is forced to work for the benefit of another. We're talking about the opportunity that someone has to act on behalf of the good of another. That's what serving is, bottom line. Serving is acting on behalf of the good of another. Not as something that we are forced to do, but as something that we choose to do. And when we talk about this idea of privilege, we're not talking about it and loading it with the idea of social privilege and unfair advantages. We're using it to refer more to an uncommon opportunity, similarly to how we would use the words blessing or honor, it is an honor to be here today, it is a blessing to be here, it is a privilege to be here, this isn't something that everybody gets to do, and those who do get to do it don't get to do it very often, so it is a good thing that I'm grateful for, to have this uncommon opportunity, so when we talk about serving as our privilege, we're not talking about something that people are forced to do and these power plays, we're talking about the fact that because of Jesus, we have been given the uncommon opportunity of acting on behalf of the good of others. That's what we mean when we say serving is our privilege. That because of Jesus, we have been set free for the uncommon opportunity of acting on behalf of the good of others. So where do we see this idea? In the life and teaching of Jesus. We're going to talk about three stories from Jesus' life. Three different gospels, but all helping us round out this idea of what does it actually look like that serving is our privilege. The first story that we're going to go to is in Matthew 20. Verses 20 to 28. The story goes that Jesus is with his disciples These 12 men who are journeying with him, who he is teaching how to live the good life the way that God defines it. What does it look like to live in the kingdom where God is king? And as they're going about their travels, two of these disciples, James and John, for some reason, have their mom with them. And mom approaches Jesus with a request. And she says, Jesus, when you come into your throne, when you come into your kingdom, When you take the top spot of power and authority, can my boys sit on your left and your right? Can they be the ones who have the spots of power and authority right under you? And Jesus graciously responds, you don't know what you're asking. And you don't know what it's going to take for me to complete the work that God has sent me to do. And James and John pipe up, which is weird because most of us in this room, if our mom approached Jesus to ask for anything, we'd be like, mom, you're embarrassing me in front of Jesus. Stop it. But they're like, yeah, mom, mom asked and we, can we have that? So Jesus says, you guys don't know what you're asking. say, like, well, of course we do, we can do it. And the scripture tells us that in verse 24, that the other 10 disciples are ticked because these two, his mom, asked what everybody else was thinking. They all wanted to sit on the right and left of Jesus, but you're not supposed to tell him. And these guys go talking about it. And he says that they're indignant. They're upset. And then in verse 25, we have Jesus say this. He calls them together and he says, you know that the rulers of this world, they lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many." In this moment, Jesus is teaching something that is flipping their perspective on serving upside down. That the good life according to God, what it looks like to live into his kingdom, is not a life lived demanding that others serve you, but is a life that is given to serve and act on behalf of the good of others. So much so that the son of God himself would take the lowliest physician and actually give away his life for the benefit of others. He's changing the way that they're thinking about serving. That serving is not something that we demand from people, but serving is something that we offer to others. And it would be one thing if Jesus just talked about this, and this was just an idea. But Jesus actually lives this out. And so we go to another story from the life of Jesus. This is in John 13. Probably one of the most famous examples of Jesus serving others outside of him giving his life on the cross. It is the night before He will be betrayed and eventually crucified. And so he's sharing a final meal with his disciples. These men that he has journeyed with for the past three years, sharing the celebrations and the sorrows and the joys and the struggles and the teaching again and again and again and trying to help them understand what he was doing. And the scripture tells us that having loved them for all that time, he loved them to the very end. And so, he got up from the table that they were laying at, he took off his robe, and he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. Now this idea of foot washing is very strange to us, but was a common practice in Jesus' day as an act of hospitality. It was something that you were supposed to do when guests came into your house. You did one of two things. You either provided a wash basin for their feet and a towel for them to dry, or you asked one of your servants to do it. And there was a reason for this, because all the roads in Israel and Palestine, they're dusty, they're dirty, there's animals using them, as well as humans, and everyone's wearing sandals. It's gross. And so you would provide a place for your guests to wash their feet. And the picture that we get in Scripture... Is these 13 people, the 12 disciples and Jesus, walking to the upper room with a wash basin next to them and walking right past it, not taking the time to wash their own feet, but anticipating that someone from their number would be the one who washed their feet. And so everyone's at the table looking around, waiting for the low person in the group to take that move, to wash their feet, to be that servant. And in that moment, Jesus gets up. He takes the basin, he takes the towel, and he begins to wash their feet. And he gets to Peter. Peter's a bit of a loudmouth. He's opinionated. He's impulsive. Jesus comes to Peter, and Peter says, whoa, absolutely not. Jesus, you're not washing my feet. That's beneath you. You can't do that. And Jesus says, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, if you don't let me serve you, you're not a part of me. We don't have a relationship. And so then Peter swings to the opposite direction. He's like, well, then wash all of me. Like, do the whole thing. Peter, I need you to focus. I'm trying to make a point. We're just doing feet right now, okay? So Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And then it tells us in verse 12, he says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again, and he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that is what I am. And since I, your teacher and Lord, your rabbi, your mentor, the one that you are looking to to learn how to live life, if I have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Because I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. And now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus, being God, did not consider that equality with God as something to be grasped, as something to make demands of other people about, as a power play that he could exercise over others so that they would serve him. Rather, he humbled himself, taking the posture of a servant in the ways that no one else would want to serve. Even going so far as to eventually give his life for the good and the benefit of others. Jesus lived like serving was his privilege. It was the uncommon opportunity that he had been given, the unique opportunity he had to bless, to serve, to love, and to do good. Serving wasn't just something that Jesus talked about, it was something that he modeled. And at this point, many messages on serving would end. And we would say, Jesus served, so should you, go and do likewise, the Lord bless you and keep you, you're dismissed. Who's ready to have their theology messed with? It was rhetorical, but it it helps me know what I'm working with if if you're open. So, not only did Jesus talk about serving, And not only was Jesus free to serve, but Jesus was also free to be served. Foot washing was a very common cultural practice in Jesus' day. So much so that you think we would see it show up all the time in the Gospels and in the New Testament letters. There's one other story in all the records we have of Jesus' life where foot washing is mentioned And Jesus is at the center of it, but not in the way that we would expect. And so we go to another gospel, the gospel of Luke, Luke 7. Where we have a story of Jesus being invited to a man named Simon's house for dinner. Simon was one of the religious elites of the day. He was a Pharisee. And he's having Jesus over not so much because he's curious and wants to know more, but because he's skeptical and wants to disprove this guy. And so they're sitting there at dinner when in walks what scripture gently refers to as an immoral woman. This is a girl with a reputation. This is someone that the people in town talk about with hushed voices. She barges into this room with the religious elite seated at a table and she only has eyes for Jesus. Jesus she approaches him and begins to weep. Not out of sadness, but out of joy and out of gratitude. And as she does, her tears begin to fall on Jesus' feet. And she begins to wipe them and wash them with her hair. She takes a bottle of expensive perfume that she brought with her, breaks it open and pours it on the feet of Jesus to anoint him, and the smell of the perfume fills the room, and Simon the Pharisee can't stand it. Because if this religious teacher, if this Jesus knew the type of woman that was serving him right now, there is no way he would allow this to take place. Jesus, knowing what's going on in Simon's mind and heart, tells a story. He says, Simon, suppose that there's two men who owe a debt to the same person. One of them owes a small debt and one of them a very large debt. And let's say that this person forgives both of them. Who do you suppose would love that person more? The one who is forgiven a small debt or the one who is forgiven the larger debt? Simon says, well, I guess the person who had the large debt forgiven. Jesus says, Simon, when I came into your home, You didn't offer me a wash basin for my feet. You neglected to show me a common cultural courtesy. But this woman sought me out and is allowing her tears to wash my feet and wiping them with her hair. When I came in, you didn't kiss me. You didn't greet me with this custom that we have in our culture. You neglected to do that, but this woman hasn't stopped kissing my feet since the moment she entered. I came into the space. You didn't offer me the courtesy of olive oil for my dry skin and this Israelite sunshine. But this woman has anointed my feet with a precious perfume. And I know that this woman's sins have been forgiven. And yes, there are many. But this woman's sins have been forgiven, and I can tell because of the way that she loves. There's so much going on in this story. So much that we could talk about and unpack, but I want us, what I want us to focus on is the fact that Jesus in this moment allowed himself to be served in one of the lowliest ways by one of the most unexpected people, but without shame, without hesitation, without reservation. He was free to be served by this person, by this person, woman. What was it about Jesus that gave him the freedom to talk about serving in such a backwards upside down way? What was it about Jesus that allowed him to serve others the way that he did? And what was it about Jesus that allowed him to be served by others the way that he was? If serving is our privilege means that we have been freed for this uncommon opportunity of acting on behalf of the good of others, if we see this in Jesus' teaching and the way that he lived in the way that he allowed others to love him, this challenges our perspective on serving because it is so upside down. And here's what it comes down to. the What allowed Jesus the freedom to both serve and be served by others was his complete release from self-interest. What allowed Jesus to serve and be served by others was his total freedom from self-interest. Jesus knew that he was deeply loved by God. And from that place, from that relationship, he knew who he was and he knew why he mattered. He had nothing to prove. He had nothing to earn. He had nothing to defend, nothing to protect. He was free and he, in that freedom, was able to do good to others without demanding good for himself. But not only that, his total freedom from self-interest made it possible for people to love and serve him without hesitation, without shame, without a knock on his identity or his competency. He was free, free to be served and free to serve. And in the life of Jesus, what we see lived out, and if you don't get anything else from this, I want to plant this seed in your minds because this is what it comes down to. Serving is our privilege because self-interest was our prison. Serving is our privilege because self-interest was our, pres- our prison. Self-interest is the opposite of love. Self-interest says, I am out for my good, even if your good has to get trampled on in the process. So you will serve me. Or if I serve you, it's really going to be about me. And self-interest comes in and creeps into our life because we believe that we have something to earn. We believe that we have something to prove, that we have to make something of ourselves, that we have to look out for number one. And so we take care of ourselves because nobody else is going to, or we take care of everybody else longing for someone to take care of us. Self-interest is at the core of all of this, and we spend so much of our lives living that way until we meet Jesus. And in Jesus, we're given a new life. We're given a new identity. We're given a new status where we don't have to earn anything. We don't have to prove anything. Life isn't about what we have to achieve for ourselves anymore. Life is about how we get to love others because we have been deeply loved. The problem is that self-interest has become such an ingrained habit in each and every one of us. That even though we have been set free, the bars have been opened, we still have to walk through them. We still have to leave that jail cell of self-interest. Because self-interest turns our serving others back in on us and makes it about us. So either we serve others expecting something in return or to gain something from them, or we refuse to serve others because it's not in our best interest. Well, I really don't have anything to offer, so I'm not going to serve. Well, it's not really the right season for me, so I'm not going to serve. Well, that's not within my calling, so I'm gonna take a pass. Well, that's convenient right now, so go talk to someone else. All of these things get in the way of our ability to serve others because they are turned in on ourselves. And our self-interest prevents us from being able to serve others freely like Jesus did because we have something to defend, we have something to protect, or we have something to prove. Self-interest does the same thing with our ability to not be served by others. And this one is trickier. Because those who serve others look a lot like Jesus because they're doing so much and they're serving well and they're being like Jesus and their ability to serve. Some of us are so like Jesus in our ability to serve that we have become unlike him in our ability to be served. And once again, it's because self is at the center of that. Well, I don't need you to serve me. I'm fine. You need to go serve those people as if being served was a bad thing. Oh, I'm not actually worthy to be served. I haven't earned that right yet. So you should go direct that somewhere else. Oh, I don't need you to serve me because I can do it by myself. I'm completely competent and don't need any help. And your serving me is actually an offense against my identity based on my ability to get things done and not the character and work of Jesus. So you just move along. What gets in the way of our ability to be served by others is self. And the question that each and every one of us in this room has to ask ourselves when we are hesitant to be served by others is who is this really about? Because if someone is trying to be like Jesus by serving you, what if they're actually thinking less about you than you are? What if they're serving Jesus? You just happen to be the way that they're serving him. And for us to be approached by someone who's wanting to be like Jesus and saying, no, you can't serve me. We are Simon telling Jesus, you can't wash my feet. No, absolutely not. Or if this person is trying to serve Jesus by serving us and we tell them no, we're the Pharisee, saying, no, absolutely not. You can't serve that way. When we prevent people and tell them no, we take away an opportunity for them to love Jesus by loving us. And who's that about? Because here's the thing, when we live in this state of self-interest, when it comes to our serving, whether it's in our ability to serve or to be served, when we live in that state of self-interest, we are confining ourselves in a prison. And we are saying that we wanna cut ourselves off from people's ability to love us, and we are removing ourselves from an opportunity to love others by serving them. Self-interest becomes a prison. But Jesus comes in and frees us for that so that we can live like serving is our privilege. It is an uncommon opportunity, a special opportunity that we have as followers of Jesus to act on behalf of the good of others, not because we are forced to, but because we choose to, because we have been loved. Galatians 5.13, Paul says these famous words. He says, it is for freedom that you have been set free. The work that Jesus has accomplished for you to set you free from that desire to try and prove something Feeling like you have to earn something but that there's something to protect or something to defend Being freed from that That's the life that God has in store for you And that freedom You have been invited to use that not to turn it in on yourself and your sinful desires But to serve one another in love That is the freedom that each and every one of us have been granted because of what Jesus has done. is the freedom that he invites us to live into. Because even though this idea is true, even though those prison doors have been opened, we still have to walk through them. And there is so much about our habits of self-interest that have gotten into what we do that we are actually prevented a lot of times from offering help and asking for help. It takes intentionality to make that first move and to say, I wanna do this, Jesus. I want to serve. I'm okay to be served. And so what we're going to do at the end of service today is something brave and something that has a potential to be pretty uncomfortable. And some of you were thinking, oh my gosh, we talked about foot washing earlier. <laughs> are we doing a foot? Let's diffuse that. We're not doing foot washing. Okay? That's not happening. All right? This would also be the perfect opportunity to do a volunteer push. Just text. Serving is our privilege to 97,000 and sign up for your... We're not going to do that either. Because this is not about that. Living like serving is our privilege is about the people that we're serving. About the people that are choosing to serve us. Being open to them, sharing that with them. And allowing ourselves to live in that privilege of acting on behalf of the good of others because we don't have anything to defend or prove anymore. That's all been taken care of. We're free. And we get to use that freedom as an opportunity to serve others. So here's what I'd like to do as the band gets ready to lead us in a time of responses. I want you to ask one of two questions. And before I give you those questions, I want you to respond to the one that you feel most uncomfortable with. One of these questions you will gravitate towards. Be like, that's the one that I want to work with. And one of them you will shy away from and want to make some distance between you and it. I want to invite you to respond to the question that is most uncomfortable. The first question is this. Who can I help? Who can I help? And this is not a how can I help question. This is not a where can I help question. This is a who Can I help question? Because there are people in your life that God has surrounded you with that you have an uncommon opportunity to act on behalf of the good of. He knows who they are. Have you asked him? The second question is this. Who can I ask for help? There are some of us in this room who are really good at taking care of other people and have a really hard time of allowing others to take care of us. We think we can do it on our own or we think we have to do it on our own but because of the freedom that God gives we actually have the opportunity to be seen and to be served and it takes a move forward to invite people into that and so in this time of response I want to invite you to respond to one of those two questions and then make a move towards that whoever comes to mind as someone that you can reach out and help, if you need to send a text message, if you need to go make a phone call, if there's someone in this room that God leads you towards, you have freedom to go talk to them during these next few moments. Who can I serve? Who can I help? And who do I need to ask for help? Some of you have been carrying a burden for a long time. And it might be that you just need somebody to talk to that you need somebody to pray for you. You might have a material need, but there are people in this room, there are people in your life that God has surrounded you with to say, hey, I need some help. And here's, here's why this matters. I've been praying all week in preparation for this message that there would be divine connections that happen today. Because can you imagine What a church would be like Where each and every person lived in that freedom The freedom to help The freedom to be served Can you imagine the kind of community Can you imagine the kind of family that that would be Not just how we think about serving But how we actually live it out I've been praying for divine connections today That the people who have the capacity to meet a need And the people who have a need Would find each other and I gotta tell the story in between services. I was on the phone with somebody who was watching online. And in response to this message said, okay, God, I've I've helped a, I've been helped quite a bit lately. And I wanna take a step and I wanna help somebody else. Who's that gonna be? Who is that person that I can help? Almost immediately they got a text from someone else who had been watching online that said, I need help. I'm in a really dark place. And I need somebody to care for me and step out and I haven't asked yet. Because there's shame, there's fear, there's scarcity. I need help. These are the kind of things that you can't plan. You can't program the Holy Spirit, you know? But this is what we do, we listen and with clarity and courage, we hear what God is saying and we take those courageous steps to do things about it and God shows up. That's the kind of church we wanna be, is a church that is free to serve and be served because self-interest is a prison and we have been set free and we get to use that freedom to serve others in love and not only that, but to be loved by others as they serve us. So those two questions Who can I help? And who do I need to ask for help? Will you take the courageous step of considering those questions today and then making a move towards that? We're going to create that space for that. We also have communion set up around the room if you want to respond in that way. But let's take this time to ask those questions. Can we pray together? Holy Spirit, we believe that there are things that you want to do. In the lives of the men and women in this room. The lives of those outside of this space. And we want to make ourselves available for that. For the person asking the question, who can I help? Make that person very evident to them. Whether it's having someone reach out or you immediately bringing someone to mind. Let them know who that is. And for the person who knows that they need to ask for help. Make it clear where and make it clear who and give them the courage to take that brave, vulnerable step of reaching out and saying, I need help. We trust you in these moments. Holy Spirit, lead us and help us respond with courage.